This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. What I want to do today, a little bit different, but the congregation here where I preach at sends out the house-to-house, heart-to-heart every month to the thousand closest home or homes there or addresses to the church building and we received a letter that I want to read to you and then give to you the answer that I replied and I don't know if I'll get it all done in this lesson or if it'll take two lessons but uh, I want to first read to you the letter that we received it says dear Don Boyd and I'm not going to give any other names than my own here I received your brochure house to house. I have questions. Since you're a minister, you should know the answers. I don't want to be among those spoken of. Second Peter 3, 16 and 17 and Revelation 22, 18 and 19. Now I'm going to stop there. And we're going to go over and read the verses that he referred to or she again. I don't know if this was man or woman. Second Peter chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. It says, As also in his epistle, speaking of them in these things, which are some things, let's see, Second Peter 3, 6, it's hard to be understood. Which, uh, let's see, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures under their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, Seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Now that's a, that's a good request. Don't want to be like those individuals. And then he also, or she again, referred to Revelation 22, 18, and 19. Revelation 22, 18, and 19. For I testify to every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add to these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the prophecy of this book, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So the individual that's writing the letter does not want to be like those people, and that is a good thing. We all need to not want to be like those that we just read about in Second Peter three sixteen and 17 and Revelation 22, 18 and 19. Now, continuing in the letter. So I'm asking you, in your brochure, you mention four criminals with Jesus. Bible says two. Page seven, comparing Adam and Jesus question. If Jesus, God, and he, uh, the little g there is where the note was written, Trinity, how is he the image of the invisible God? If God, again little g, why or who gave him all authority in heaven and earth? Who made him head of the church? Jesus saved the world and references there James 4, 4 and 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 to 9, which we'll look at later. Continuing the letter, Adam did not take from the tree, Eve did, and gave it to Adam. Who are his bride? Who prepared his body if 
his, his God, little g, Trinity. Question, if Adam was a type of Jesus, why didn't Adam obey God's laws? What did Jesus mean in Matthew seven twenty one to 25? If Jesus is God, again, little g, why did he pray to the Father? No mention of the Holy Spirit. With tears and outcries, I will be expecting your response since you say you are a minister of God sincerely, and I'm not going to give any names. Well, now I want to go to what my reply to this individual was. It does uh, have a name there or an initial. It doesn't have a name, so I don't. that's why I don't know whether it is a man or a woman that wrote it. But anyway, my reply. Thank you for your letter. I'm happy to answer your questions. Now the first thing you mentioned was the four thieves of the crucifixion. Now I want to refer to the house to house, heart to heart, where this is mentioned. It says four thieves of the crucifixion. And the individual that wrote the letter there says, you mentioned four criminals with Jesus. The Bible says too. Well, the house to house, heart to heart article does not say that the four thieves were with Jesus. It just says four thieves of the crucifixion. Now, my response. The four thieves of the crucifixion do not just speak of the two thieves crucified with Christ, but also Judas, who was a thief, John 12, 6, and we'll turn over and read John 12, 6. John chapter 12, verse 6. This, it says, this he said, and this is referring to Judas back in verse 4. Not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. So my response was, the four thieves of the crucifixion do not just speak of the two thieves crucified with Jesus, but also Judas, who is a thief, whose betrayal led to Jesus' crucifixion. And Barabbas, who was a thief and a murderer, John 18.40 and Mark 15.7, and was released by Pilate instead of Jesus, which also attributed to his crucifixion. When we look at John chapter 18, verse 40, John 18, verse 40 says, Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. So Barabbas was a thief as well. And then it mentions in Mark chapter 15, verse 7, that Barabbas was a murderer also. Mark chapter 15, verse 7. It says there, And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. So in the response there, again, the questioner, the uh, person doing the writing the letter, said, why did I say there were two? And again, it's not me that wrote this, but that's fine. The Bible says there were two thieves there with Jesus, and we mentioned four, but again, the 
article there that is in House to House, Heart to Heart does not say there were four thieves with Jesus. So the first one, the thief who regretted. This is John 12, 6. We turn over there, and this is reading from the house to house, heart to heart. John 12, 6, again, that we read earlier, speaking of Judas. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but that he was a thief, or because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. And Judas was one who betrayed Jesus. The second thief, the thief who was replaced, is what the article says, and that's referring to Barabbas, where Barabbas was going to be executed for what he had done, but instead of he being executed, they executed Jesus. And then the third thief that is mentioned there, the thief that rebelled, you know, both of those thieves at first that were crucified with Jesus spoke out against him. Matthew 27, 41 to 44. Matthew 27, 41 to 44. It says, Likewise the chief priest, or also the chief priest, mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. In other words, they were saying the same things. But only one of the thieves kept on doing what was mentioned here. We go to Luke chapter 23, verse 39. Luke 23:39, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed against him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. So there's the thief that rebelled. And then we have the thief that repented. This is thief that had a change of heart. We're still continuing here in Luke 23, verses 40 to 43. It says, But the other answering rebuking him, or rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God? seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly. For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And then we'll go ahead and read verse 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So we have the four thieves of the crucifixion, not the four thieves who were with Jesus at the crucifixion. Now, continuing my letter back to this individual, it says, your next question is, if Jesus is God, Trinity, how is he the image of the invisible God? So I'm assuming from this, and then I'm, you know, I'm just making comments now, this is not my answer, but I'm assuming that this individual is referring to if Jesus is God or a part of the Trinity, how is he the image of the invisible God? Now going back to my letter, the Bible clearly states that Jesus is part of the Godhead. Colossians 2 verse 9 says of Jesus, 
So we'll turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Now, I did print these scriptures in my letter so that there would be no question on these things or where they came from. But I'm going to go ahead and turn there and read them instead of just reading them off the paper here. It gives everybody an opportunity to turn there with me. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that's referring to Christ back there in verse 8. And then also, Jesus claimed to be deity. And then I quoted there John 10, 30 to 33. So let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 10, verses 30 to 33. It says there, Jesus speaking, I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou being a man makest thyself God. I continued in my letter to say this. Jesus did not deny being God, and the Jews knew that Jesus was saying that he is God. Another example of Jesus claiming to be God is in John 8, 58 and 59, which says, and then I quote this in my letter. So let's go to John chapter 8, verses 58 and 59, and we'll read what the scripture has to say. John 8, 58 and 59. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him, and Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Continuing my quote in the letter, Jesus used the same terminology used by God in Exodus 3.14 when God gave Moses his name to tell the children of Israel. That verse says, and again I quoted it, so let's turn to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. It says there, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now, continuing the quote of the letter I, I wrote, Isaiah also states that the one we know as Jesus is part of the Godhead in Isaiah 9, 6. And again, I quoted the verse there, but let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. There it says, For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
continuing to quote my letter, Jesus is the one referred to as a child is born, and the verse gives the other designations of Jesus. And we'll look at some of those others later, but we see the designations there in that verse where it says, and I'm not, this is not out of the letter, this is just what I'm stating now. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Then quoting the letter again, several verses mention that Jesus is the image of God and the image of the invisible God. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The verse says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Colossians 1.15 is the next verse I put in. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. where it states this. Of Jesus it says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And then Hebrews 1, 3, Hebrews chapter 1, 3, where it says, express image of his person. Hebrews 1, 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now I continue to state in the letter, the Greek word translated image in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 and Colossians 1, 15 is icon, E-I-K-O-N. Thayer's lexicon gives one definition of this word as, and I quote, 1b3, to Christ on account of his divine nature and absolute moral excellence. The Greek word translated express image in Hebrews 1.3 is character. Strong's Hebrew and Greek dictionary defines the word this way. A graver, the tool or the person that is by implication engraving character, the figure stamped, that is an exact copy or representation. Continuing in the letter, I, I write, the Geneva Bible translator's notes gives a good definition of how Jesus is the image of the invisible God. They state, quote, a graphic description of the person of Christ by which we understand that in him alone God shows himself to be seen, unquote. As Jesus said to Philip in John 14, 7 through 9. And again, I wrote the scripture in the letter, but let's go to John chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. John 14, 7 through 9. 
Jesus says, If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, Philip, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Continuing the letter, When we see Jesus, we see God because he is part of the Godhead. Jesus is equal with God. The Apostle Paul wrote, and let's turn to Philippians 2, 5, and 6. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So he is equal with God. That just answers the question. Now going back to the letter. Your next question is, if, and he underlined or she underlined the word if, if God why or who gave him all authority in heaven and earth. You're speaking about Matthew 28, 18, I assume. It states, so let's go to Matthew 28, 18. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. The American Standard uses the word authority. And I also put the verse in the letter. Now, continuing in the letter, I stated, if Christ was not equal to God the Father, he could not have claimed equality of authority in heaven and on earth without blaspheming God. Only a member of the Godhead can claim to have such power and authority. So the Godhead of whom Jesus is one gave him this authority. Continuing the letter, your next question is, who made him head of the church? The answer would be the same as the previous question. The Godhead made Jesus head of the church of which God the Father is one. Ephesians 1, 17 to 23 says, I put it in the letter, so let's turn there. Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. It says there that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty, working of his mighty power in which he wrought in Christ, or which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and have put him, put all things under his feet and gave him to be head gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him 
that filleth all in all. So answering that question, the Godhead of which the Father is one gave him that authority, gave him to be head of the church. Now continuing the letter. Your next question is, Jesus save the world? You then refer to James 4.4. 4. So let's turn to James 4.4. 4. James chapter 4, verse 4. says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever will therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So it refers to that. And let's see. You also refer to 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. So let's turn to 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. And you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. I stated the word world is used to refer to different things. The universe in a physical way, to the people living on the earth also in a physical way, and that those who live wicked lives in a spiritual way. Both James 4.4 and 2 Thessalonians 1.7-9 refer to those who live wicked lives. God sent Jesus into the world so that the world would have the opportunity for salvation. Now then quote John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not, have, should not perish but have everlasting life. We need a Savior because of sin. Then quoted Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I also quoted Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The world spoken about in James 4.4 4, are the unfaithful spoken of in 2 Thessalonians 1.7-9. Jesus will save those that obey him. Hebrews 5, 8, and 9 states. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Hebrews 5, 8, and 9. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now there are those who have come out of wicked worldly living. Romans 12, 1 and 2 gives us instructions how to come out of the world. And then in parentheses, I put wicked worldly living. So let's turn to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in answer to his question there, you know, is Jesus going to save the world? Well, the world means different things, as I already mentioned. You next asked, Adam did not take from the tree. Eve did. She gave it to Adam. Well, what he's referring to, or she is referring to here, in the house to house heart, the heart is on page seven, and it has types and antitypes. Adam as a type of Christ. And it gives a list of Adam being the type and Jesus being the antitype. Well, whenever you get down to Adam taking from the tree, let me give you, give you an example first of all how Adam is a type, Jesus the antitype. Adam's body was prepared, Genesis 2 7. Jesus' body was prepared, Hebrews 10 5. <clears throat> Adam was made in the image of God, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, Hebrews 1, 3. Adam was given dominion over all the earth, Genesis 1, 28. Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and earth, Matthew 28, 18. Adam's side was opened and a rib taken to make a companion, Genesis 2, 21. Jesus' side was opened, and the blood that flowed purchased his bride, John 19.34, Acts 20.28. 20, Adam was made the head of one family, Jesus, excuse me, Genesis 3.16. Christ was made the head of the church, Colossians 1.18. Adam's bride, Eve, was born of his bones and flesh of his flesh, Genesis 2.23. The church is the body of Christ, Ephesians 5, 23 and 30. Adam's act caused sin to enter the world, Romans 5, 12. Jesus' act of sacrifice can save the world, Romans 5, 19. Adam's sin was from a tree, Genesis 3, 6. Jesus bore our sins on a tree, Acts 5, 30. So that's the antitypes, the types and antitypes, Adam as a type of Christ is found on page seven of the latest house to house, heart to heart. And that's volume 27, number eight. Well, I wrote, you next ask, Adam did not take from the tree, Eve did, she gave it to Adam. I did not see in the house to house where it said that Adam took the fruit from the tree. He did eat of the fruit that came from the tree. Romans 5.12 states, so let's turn over to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Adam is referred, uh, continuing in my letter here, Adam is referred to in this verse. Adam did eat of the fruit from the tree, which was sin. Eve did not force him to eat, and besides that, if he had been the man he should have been, he would have stopped Eve from picking the fruit or even speaking to the serpent. 
Your next question is, who are his bride? Now, coming away from the letter, I'm assuming he's taking a lot of this from the Adam, the type, and Christ, the antitype. Now, continue with the letter. I stated the church of Christ is the bride of Christ. Let us look at some scriptures that show that. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 states, so let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. Paul writes, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Continuing the letter, to the church in Corinth, Paul states that he espoused them, the church, to a, as a pure virgin to Christ. The Greek word translated espoused is hermazo. Thayer's lexicon gives the following as a definition of that word. Quote, number two, to betroth a daughter to anyone, to a, to join to oneself, for example, to marry the daughter of one, to be, to betroth, to give one in marriage to anyone, unquote. A bride is espoused to, oh, continuing the letter here, a bride is espoused to her husband, therefore the church that belongs to Christ, the church of Christ, is the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5, to 33 also speak of the church being the bride of Christ. After the, a discussion of the proper manner of husbands and wives and Christ in the church, Verses 31 and 32 state this. So let's go to Ephesians 5, verses 31 and 32. Paul writes, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. In the letter I wrote, there is a discussion about the two becoming one flesh as husband and wife. But Paul says his main point is about Christ, the husband, and the church, the bride. Your next question, who prepared his body if, and the word if is underlined, his God, Trinity? The answer is the same as given earlier, the Godhead, which consists of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Your next question is, question, if Adam was a type of Jesus, why didn't Adam obey God's laws? Adam is a type of Christ in all the ways that are given in house to house. Adam didn't obey God because he listened to and fell for the temptation of the devil. The devil also tempted Jesus, but he failed. And I reference Matthew 4, 1 through 11 and Luke 4, 1 to 13. The letter also states, the devil tempts all of us in the different ways he used on Adam and Eve. 
They are found in 1 John 2, 15 to 17. So let's turn over to 1 John chapter 2 and look at verses 15 to 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. In the letter I also wrote, James also warns us about temptations in James 1, 13 to 15. So let's turn to James chapter 1 and look at verse 13, verses 13 to 15. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. In the letter I wrote, Paul informs us that God will always help us in our temptations. We'll quote 1 Corinthians 10:13. So let's turn over there. 1 Corinthians 10:13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. In the letter I state, Adam failed to use God's way of escape. Jesus used scripture to overcome temptation. In that way, he was not a type of Christ, but in all the ways given in house to house, he was. Next you asked, what did Jesus mean in Matthew 27, 21 to 25? The verses read, and I put the verses in the letter, so let's turn to Matthew 7 and look at verses 21 to 25. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. So that's through verse 25. In the letter, I wrote, There are many who call Jesus Lord, but they do not obey him. Titus 1.16 states, so let's turn over to Titus chapter 1, verse 16. Titus chapter 1, verse 16. That verse says, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. So continuing there in the letter, I stated this. 
Jesus also asked in John, uh, Luke 6:46, and I put that in the letter, so let's turn over to Luke 6:46. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. That verse says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? In the letter I stated, Only those who call Jesus Lord and obey him will enter into the kingdom of heaven. There will be many on judgment day who will give the credentials of their following Jesus, but they only did what they wanted to do and did not obey Jesus. Paul gave an example of this in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3, of those who do great things, but do not have love as their motivating factor. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3. 1, 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity or love, I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. In the letter I wrote, this is just one example of those who would give their credentials on judgment then be rejected by Jesus. The conclusion found in Matthew 7.24 is that if we will hear the word of Christ and obey it, our lives will be pleasing to God and we will be saved no matter what may happen to us in the storms of this life. Your next question is, if Jesus is God, again, little g, why did he pray to the Father, no mention of the Holy Spirit? Jesus prayed to the Father and taught his disciples to pray to the Father. I gave you the example of Luke 23, 3 of Jesus praying to the Father. Luke chapter 23, verse 3, and there are several other passages as well. And it's not Luke 23, 3. So I messed up on that in my letter, so always be careful and go back and look. But there it says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. So we want to remember that. Or verse 34, that's what I should have put. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they parted his raiment and cast lots. So that should be verse 4. And then Matthew 6, 9, he taught his disciples to pray to the Father. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Also in the letter I stated, Jesus has had a relation with the Father throughout eternity. John 17, verse 5. So look at John 17, verse 5. It states there, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. 
I also mentioned here in the letter that Jesus is called the mighty God, the everlasting Father in Isaiah 9, 6. He communicated with the Father through prayer because he was not only God, but also human. And I wrote in there John 1, 14. John chapter 1, verse 14, where it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In the letter I stated, Jesus was 100% God and 100% human. He prayed to the Father because he was in the flesh, just as we are. If Jesus made no mention of praying to the Holy Spirit, then it would be unscriptural to pray to the Holy Spirit. He never did. He did not teach his disciples to, nor did the early church pray to the Holy Spirit or to Jesus. The example I give is Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. Acts 4, 23. And being let go, this is Peter and John, verse 19 tells us, they went their way to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. All right, stopping there. Who is the Lord that is being spoken to? Well, let's continue here in verse 25. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? For the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. So it's the Lord and his Christ. So the prayer is being offered to the Lord. Now again, who is the Lord? Well, here we see it's not Christ. It's not Jesus. Verse 27. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentile, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. So again, we know from this verse that that prayer is not offered to Jesus. Verse 28, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined for to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. All right, so did he pray to the Holy Spirit? No. Verse 25 in the American Standard Version says, Who by the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David. He doesn't say you or your. So what we determine then from what the prayer of the early church was there is that Jesus, Jesus' followers here, the church, prayed to the Father. That's the Lord that is being prayed to here. It is not Jesus and it is not the Holy Spirit. Now back to the letter. Your last question was with tears and outcries. I assume you're speaking of Hebrews 5, 7. And then I quote the verse here. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. 
Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. It says of Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. I stated in the letter this refers to Jesus' prayers in the garden before his betrayal. And then I have in there Matthew 6, 36 to 40, or 26, 36 to 46, and Luke 22, 39 to 45. And I didn't put those in here in the letter, but they just basically say Jesus went and prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me and yet thy will be done and not mine. So that's what he was praying there in his strong tears and supplication, or strong tears and crying. I stated in a letter, Jesus knew what was going to happen to him, the torture and extremely painful death he would have to endure. As I mentioned before, Jesus was 100% God, but also 100% human, and he would suffer greatly in his human form. I hope this answers your questions. And again, thank you for your letter. Sincerely, Don Boyd. Now, you may have answered these in a different way and probably would have done it in a better way than I did, but that is the way that I answered those questions. I try not to answer those questions in a demeaning manner at all. And that is the way that we should not do. As Paul stated, the servant of the Lord must not strive, and we should not be striving even with those who are wanting to know the truth, especially those that are wanting to the truth. You know, that's 2 Timothy 2.24. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. And then he continues saying, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So whenever we receive letters or anything like that, we need to make sure that we are gentle, that we are meek in our answers and not try to provoke in any way. Now, I have not received a, an answer to the letter yet, and I don't know if I will or if I will not. But one thing is certain, we went through the Bible we explained from the Bible what was being taught, and that is what we need to do. We need to speak as the oracles of God. Well, again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in to be with us today, and we look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Way Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.